Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Turn the music up, take the long way home Just to listen to you try to sing the words to your favorite song I'll let you make that mess, and let you lick the spoon Help you build a blanket fort in the middle of the living room I'll read you one more story, or three these days, the days are long, but the years so short and sweet. Time's a thief. Time's a thief. And I know that someday on down the road, I'll reach for your hand and you'll let go. And I'll be frozen for a moment watching you out on your own. Hoping that you need me, but you won't So when you wake me up, every now and then Cause those midnight monsters creep into your dreams at 3am I'll let you curl up in my arms and drift off to sleep These days and nights are long, but the years so short and sweet Time's a thief Time's a thief And I know that someday on down the road I'll reach for your hand and you'll let go And I'll be frozen for a moment Watching you out on your own Hoping that you need me But you won't Catch my mind drifting off in space To when I turned the music up And took the long way home Just to listen to you sing the wrong words to my favorite song You wore your party dress Every afternoon And walked around the house in my high-heeled shoes So I'll read you one more story or three Hold you in my arms and try to memorize everything These days, the days are long But the years so short and sweet Time's a thief Time's a thief Hadley Park's Time's a Thief. It is their latest single off of what hopes to be their latest EP. Hi, Carl. Hi, Greg. How are you guys doing today? Hello. hello Hi, Nicole. Hello. Hi, everyone. 
I really, I've always really liked Hadley Park. Matter of fact, Hadley Park is the reason why Nicole is, is with us in reality. Am I correct? That is correct. Yeah. Well, they were, and they were your first beta test um, campaign when Van Twangle first launched. So that's how I got introduced to you all. Um, right. Because Morgan's a really good friend of mine when I lived back in Clarksville and my husband was in the military. Um, and she had asked me to help them market because that's just my background. And a couple months later, I'd asked her what you guys were up to. And that's how I got connected with you and John at the time. Is cool. Morgan the uh, primary Morgan, lead, lead vocalist or is so she they, they switch in and out very frequently. Um, and sometimes it's a little bit hard to tell who's the lead vocal. Uh, Morgan's normally the primary. Courtney's normally um, the harmony aspect of it. But I believe for Times a Thief, Courtney is actually the lead on it. I, I I love their harmony, and I love I think they're so traditional, and it's really vocal and lyric heavy, and it just works for me. It, it's it's I, I think wonderful sentiment. Tunes, I, I think um, I I love the vocals actually, you know, and and it's interesting because from a sync perspective, one of the things that people complain about the most is that you can't get authentic accents in a vocal, right? And, and so I think they've got just the right amount of kind of twang going on, right? I agree. Yeah. I think it's great. They do. And I mean, speaking of sync opportunities, they they were able to get featured in the ranch for two or three seasons with a couple of their songs because of that. So they're they're hard workers, and like I, I hope you know that they go further. I, I think they um yeah they they should be doing something. They're, I, they're and they're even good live. They're, matter of fact, they're funny live. They're kind of like you know they got a kind of a, a thing where they. Well, like Morgan's Morgan, kind of funny, right? Morgan, um, for those of you new who don't know, her dad is Richard Lee, who is like one of the like older songwriters back oh, in the day. I didn't uh, realize that. Yeah, so her dad's Richard Lee, and he probably is one of the best storytellers that I've seen perform um, in the chances I have been able to actually get out and see him because he doesn't do it as often as much. Um, but that's where she gets it from. Her like For some reason, her and her dad are just really good storytellers on stage. She probably also gets her sense of humor from him too. He's he's a funny guy. <laughs> yes, yes, and their love of wine. Exactly. All right, they have, a, they have a great tune. Yeah. So we're still doing this um, pandemic. <laughs> and I, uh, at least with at Tennessee, in except for Nashville, we've been open. Like, and I think at the end of the week too, like the order for us to only do 50% capacity at restaurants and retail goes away. So we're starting to what, see- What, it's just going to be open, open? Yeah, it's just going to be open, open. Are um, people going? Yeah. I mean, I I went grocery shopping today and I mean, there are way more people out than than before. No so. masks? No masks or anything? It was like half and half, like half had masks on. Um, definitely the older population um, is being way cautious and they're all using masks. The younger generation, I don't think does. So that's what I've been seeing. I, uh, I don't know, but go ahead. Well, I, I just said, you know, when we first started, we might, might have the distinction of starting this thing when this pandemic first got going, right? I think right. so. And, and I was cynical at first and then I kind of became concerned and I... Uh, then I had a revelation that, Hey, we can, use, we can all use this for a reset and, you know, and we, we can make this thing positive. Now with the opening up of everything, I'm, I'm becoming cynical again. I'm thinking to myself, it's like, well, if it opens up and there are no catastrophes associated with it, or, you know, it doesn't grow, then again, go back on the rise. Is it worth destroying the economy for a year over? You know, I, I don't know. 
Well, that's going to be knows? the well, well, but but yes and no. See, who knows? Because they're saying because we did the social distancing and wore the mask and 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 all that stuff. That's why we brought it down and we let it dissipate. Now you know we're we're smarter and wiser and. Time has gone on, and maybe we've built up some immunities to it and stuff. I don't know. No, that's part of the cynicism is because there's no way we're smarter. There's well, no way you, you got to trust. I, I, I trust, you know. Again, I'm from New York. You guys are down in Tennessee. I'm in New York. I'm in Manhattan. So it's a different kind of mindset up here. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're still mass crazy. You it know? was hardcore. Yeah, yeah. So, and like, you know, I, mean, I still go out with a mask. I still go out with the gloves. You know, um, we're not really open at all yet, you know. Um still lines to get into stores and the CVS and stuff. So I don't know, you know, all I do know is that a woman down the hall from me, not that old in her fifties died of it. So it killed people. It's kind of sobering. Yeah. It's for real, you know, it's, you know, and so I don't know. Well, and I think for me too, like I don't mind going out now just because like, I know I can control like what I do and who I'm around and, you know, the hygiene aspect of it. I still do not want to bring my daughter out. I mean, she's not even two yet, and I don't know when I'll feel comfortable bringing her into, like, stores again just because, I mean, she's two, she's wants to get into everything, but, like, I can't trust that other people aren't going to be doing the same things that I'm doing to make sure that I don't get the virus, so. Yeah, I think that's going to be it. You can open up all you want, mm-hmm. but if people are not going to go, like, you know, I, I can't picture myself going to a movie anytime soon, mm-hmm. you know, going to a packed movie theater or even a restaurant. Like, why chances at this point? You know, I, I haven't even, I'm someone who used to three or four times a week order in. That's what you do in Manhattan. I haven't, I haven't, I've been cooking. But I, I think that's kind of a silver lining though. Cause even though once the restaurants start opening up and people feel comfortable in ordering, they can always now know that they can count on the backup, that they can cook and they can do those things if things get crazy again. So I don't know. I see. I can't cook. I've been, I've been heating, I've been heating frozen veggie burgers and frozen. And you know, it's disgusting. No, it's good. No, it's it's not frozen veggie burgers. Garden. Yeah, they're good. They're, they're, they're like, you know, they're, I don't know what they're made of, but I like them. You put ketchup on them and they're good. You make a little Mm -hmm. frozen asparagus and, you know, and I got my little meal there, you know? No. Frozen rice. <laughs> Frozen is better than canned. No. You're talking uh, to someone we... who cooks dinner almost every single night. That is Frozen not a is, Frozen is fresher than fresh. Have we mentioned to the folks watching uh, and <laughs> listening that this is an experimental podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, man. Again, getting, getting back to Hadley Park. Yeah, uh. You know, they remind me of a little bit. This might sound like an odd reference, but they're like a female Everly Brothers. Does that make sense? There's something about their harmonies that that remind me of that kind of. I was singing. trying to think of um, some other like female duos that that I've listened to through the years, and um, I couldn't really think of any. Although in the '80s there was a female duo that. Was, actually kind of sets the standard for me. They were called the Indigo Girls. You, you familiar oh, sure. with them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just thought they were Yeah, country. They were, more, they, they were alternative. Yeah, and I thought they were terrific. And the, the interesting thing uh, about that is that that was kind of – that was kind of rock and alternative at the time, but it was straight-up folk as a, as a genre. It's just they uh-huh. tended to bang hollow bodies – guitars maybe a little harder than your average folk 
singer. And then I think they got thrown into that little affair thing. They they were part yeah, of that. Yeah. I mean, so they, they were very strong performers. And, they're part of the uh, '90s, like you know, alternative cool singer For songwriter me, standards. So uh, uh, you know, and I was when I don't know uh, Hadley Park's music that well, but um, after a few listens, I, I was thinking, you know, it's like yeah, the the vocals are compelling on this. So um, you know. No, the words were the words were touching, especially on this time of the and you more so being a mom, um, you know, talking about like you know when when I forget the exact line, but when like that time when you grab her hand and she doesn't take it, or mm -hmm. that one moment when they they're on their own and what that must feel like, you know, and uh, and it's so heart wrenching. And I think every mother in the world's got to relate to that. Well, you know. And, it's one of those things, like, I remember I got to listen to this tune back in February when I was over Morgan's house before all this happened. Um, and we were sitting um, on her porch with all of the kids. And I looked at her and I was like, so you just want me to cry today? Like, you, right, right. like this new song, I go, there was no warning. And she was like, no, but that's the response we want. Like, we want people to have that response and go back to that time. So I think they accomplished it with their latest single. I think I think they've done it with every song they've They've done most you know, songs. Not, yeah, you know, they they, they kind of nail the sentiment, and you know, and uh, well, I think what they do good too, and this is from what you have said in the past, Greg. They are really good at taking their personal experiences for each song, but truly making them universal. Because there's nothing in the songs that they've put out that, like, I can say, oh yeah, I know. Courtney and Morgan's background to it. So I know what the song is, but if you didn't know Courtney and Morgan, the universal, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like the, the universal aspect is there. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, so on that note, you want to play the next tune? I do. I do. The next tune we're going to play is more than that, um, which is another ballad of theirs. But again, it's, it's one of those that it is probably just one that's going to make you cry. So fear warning. Or make you think about oh, relationships. Yeah, that's true. See you on the flip side. Like a pack of gum in the checkout line Or a tag ticket impulse buy Nothing you need, nothing you can't lose I should be more than that to you Like putting pennies on a railroad track Shooting guns into an old haystack Just something you did for something to do But 
seen a pack of gum in the checkout line I ain't a red tag ticket impulse buy Nothing you need, nothing you can't lose I should be more than that to you That was Hadley Park single, uh, More Than That, which is off of their debut EP that they were able to launch due to retrospect, having retrospect, right? uh, which was part of their funds that they raised with their Band Twingo campaign. Oh, wow. Right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. That tune's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Their their original goal actually was to get um, Tim and Faith to record it if they could. They thought that that would be kind of like a perfect duet of sorts. Um, right. to try and like have them do it. So <laughs> Tim and Faith are listening. You guys should cut it. Um, I don't know but, if they could, I don't know if they could, um, could they swap the verses? I don't know. It might, I, it might, I think they let Tim cool and Faith do anything they want to do. Yeah. I think they would <laughs> let them do anything they want to do. But the first time I heard the tune, I thought about this idea. I mean, Carl knows that, you know, of all the writers I've ever worked with, one of my little tricks of the trade is try to get somebody when they're, when they're singing something that hardcore, you know, you're effectively, you have written the voice for the artist. So that's coming out of the artist's mouth. So whatever your reaction to the song is, is going to be your reaction to the artist. So I always tell writers about this little trick to like, you know, if you want to say something uh, that you might, that you might want to pull back a little bit, Put it in the third person so that we all get to listen as voyeurs. She said I could, I should be worth more than that, or or, or he said I could be, you know. So we're all listening to the story right. together. It, well, that's if you want to get it cut. See, one thing I like about writers when they do say I, I love, especially if I like the artist. You know, that's one thing I loved about John Lennon because he was that guy more so than Dylan. He he said, you know. You know, I'm a loser. I want to do this. I want to do this. You know, let me take you down because we're going to Strawberry Fields. It was all about me, you know, come together over me. You know, like it was like, I love that person that we personalized that made it all in the first person. That, that has a, in songwriting, that has a genre. I mean, it's called confessional. It's confessional. And writing. that's what Lennon, I would, would made, I think Lennon. And, and you're absolutely right. right. I mean, Dylan, you know, kind of at a certain point in his career may have written some confessional feeling uh, tunes, but then he became more of a storyteller and more, you know, and, and went back to his uh, See, roots. And me as a writer, that was, I was always a, a confessional writer then. Right. I was never a, really a great storyteller. No, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's actually a really, what's interesting about confessional writing is that it is, um, when when you get it right, you typically have a song that, you know, becomes iconic. I mean, I think for me, the most it could be iconic universal. professional song in the world is At 17. Oh, there you go. Right. Janet Ian. I mean, sure. that thing is painful to listen to. But yet, you know, that became 
a big hit record because uh, the song rings so true for so many people. And it's straight up confession. Um, there's, there's more out there. I mean, um, I guess maybe the most famous uh, is uh, Fire and Rain. Yeah, okay. You but know, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. I mean, he was basically grieving right. in the song, throughout the song. Uh, and it appealed to people. So that that writing style is 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 very cool. It's very interesting. But, but, but some of the, the ones I really love weren't even that poetic, though. Fire and Rain was kind of poetic. Sometimes you can be confessional in a poetic way. But some artists are just, like, raw. Exactly. And I think it's like, um, you know, like we always say, you know, intensely personal but also universal. I think if it's just intensely personal, it's like can be confessional like that. And it's like, yeah, no, that's enough. Too much information. You know, that kind of I always love as a kid where John Lennon wrote, I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. And he was like the head of the Beatles at, at, at their peak. You know, he was like the as high as you can go in this business. And he was a star and he was rich. And and he's writing, I'm a loser. And I'm not yeah. what I appear to be. And I thought, whoa. I thought that was, an, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, I think, it, you know, I guess what honesty is a big part of it. I mean, the idea that. We're not used to we're not, we're not used to a lot of honesty from our pop stars, you know, or from our or from our, you know, rock and roll. Because yeah, you because you look at a lot of the seventies and sixties stuff, a lot of the lyrics were just kind of cool, like mm-hmm. Elton John, Bowie. Those guys wrote cool lyrics. Half the time you don't know what they were talking about, you know, but it just sounded cool. It flowed. You sing the words. You don't even know what they mean, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so so what have you been doing? I heard you've been doing some cool stuff. Uh, oh, Nicole, me? you. <laughs> you going to some seminars? I or- have been in the last two days on so many Zoom webinars um, for this company called Music Tectonics that they've been putting on this kind of vir- virtual conference. Um, and really what they've been doing is highlighting what's been going on during this crisis, what is going to still happen after the crisis is over with since things are starting to open up, and what does that mean for the music tech industry? Um uh, some things that just stood out to me were basically the fact that they all know live streaming is going to continue, but the emphasis, at least in the development area of music tech, is going to be the monetization of it. Um, since a lot of the live streams now are done on like Instagram and Facebook and things like that, and they can associate the tip jars, but it's not always something that will garner the artist income. Um, and on top of that, having apps like Twitch, which Carl, I had texted you about earlier before where like, I guess gamers had been using it before to like have their own little game rooms and people could come play with them. Right. Artists have been now um, opening up their own like Twitch TV channels and trying to figure out not just how to monetize it, but how to get their content out um, and streamline to their fans, which I thought was a, an interesting aspect of what potentially could happen with music tech and, and allowing artists to get their content out in a way that fans just aren't used to. I think it's it's changing so much right now. I thought it was kind of settling down, but now after this crisis, I think it's even it, it's like it, it's it's wide open again now. I think the music industry or a music career is going to look so different in the next few years. Mm-hmm. You know how to make a living being an artist. You know it's not going to be the old days of of performing and, and selling your or streaming your music and and that's it and radio and. I don't know what it's going to become, quite honestly. I think it's certainly a paradigm shift. But, you know, I mean, but we're used to that. We're used to, like, kind of shifting marketplaces and, um, 
I, I like the idea that people are going to find new and better ways to engage their audience. And maybe this will, uh, this whole period of time will demonstrate to folks that you might as well own everything. You might as well stop chasing the industry and just own what you do. And then you can figure out, you're going to have time to figure out how to get attention in the market after. I'm hoping that's what happens because, you know, it's the reality of it is that um, the people that were holding artists up, uh, that were holding great songs up, the people that were out there chasing the artistry, they've kind of had a setback. I mean, you know, you don't know. I don't think you see it. Not that there was a lot of A&R going on anyway, but I don't I don't I think you're going to see a lot less of it in the next six months. You know, is there A&R at all right now? I remember in my, in my day, A&R guys would come to the clubs. Yeah. And, and they'd come and see acts and, they, and they'd come backstage and go, hey, I liked what you did. I want to bring my, you know, my manager down or my, you know, or you get the assistant A&R guys. I'm going to bring my A&R guys next week, do a couple of showcases and you got a record deal. Does yeah. that even happen anymore? Well, I mean, I think people have kind of assumed the role, even though they might not be like the, like the major label guy, you know, that, that um, uh, you know, that rolls into the club at one o'clock in the morning and, you know, listens to two tracks and then goes back to the right. office. I don't think they're that, but people have, I mean, or, or rather people are, quotes, repping artists now. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think maybe that's, maybe that's how it's... Uh, it's evolved or devolved as the case may be. Well, and I think with that too, when it comes to like A&R, I think a lot of people are just using social media now and searching the hashtags that artists are posting on just to see what's out there and see what their following is. Um, a good example, I think, is even TikTok. People are searching on there and finding people on those people who've um, had like the 2 million streams. They're getting elevated quicker than they probably would have if TikTok wasn't around. But you know what? I still feel you... You don't get it. You know, the being in the room, you know, pushing air, seeing it, experiencing it. With the doors at, at the Troubadour back in 67 when Jim Morrison, like, did that one song, The End. And it was just, it was like this iconic performance that where he kind of like changed, you know, rock and roll. And, and when people discovered him and Jack Holston from Elektra said, wow. And then that's when he became The Doors, you know, because he did this amazing performance. And, and they go, wow. And then I, I've seen the video of this, right? It's nothing. The video doesn't even look, I can't even get, I can't get that from this video. Well, I think when, I think with in-person experiences too, it's one of those things you can't replicate that online. You can't have the same effect where the chills go up your arms and you're, you're seeing and you're feeling the atmosphere because in the video, you're only getting your side of it. And with being there at live performances, you're also picking up on everyone else's energy and what they're feeling and seeing at the same time. So there is kind of that, that side that you are missing when people are just only seeing things online and it's only you and you're not necessarily being able to have other people around you to see what you're seeing and experience what they're experiencing. There's most definitely a sensory experience to seeing music live. I mean, as Carl says, I mean, you're basically moving air. So, but you know, if you buy into the whole idea of, you know, mania and, the madness of crowds and all that stuff. I mean, I've, I've seen probably three or four or five shows where 
everything kind of converged and the whole room was resonating in a certain way. All the people, all the listeners, all the players, uh, and, you know, sonically as well as kind of, I don't know if if I'd go so far as to say emotionally, but everybody's on the same wavelength, so to speak. And uh, you cannot replace that. You can't can't film that. You can't show that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, take a look at uh, take a look at um, New Year's Day uh, filmed at Red Rocks. Yeah, it's it's still tipping. You know, I, I've seen you know the last walls. There's a lot of great you know live performance videos that are amazing, but they don't compare to like being there. You know, I'm sorry, and I think I think, and I'm gonna say something too that may annoy some people, but a big problem in Nashville, my two cents. You know, if you're just going to be a writer, that's one thing. But if you're trying to be an artist, I think you you got to stop doing all these writers' rounds because I think these writers' rounds make artists lazy, and they just sit there on the stool and they strum their songs. They you know, and they don't perform. They just people forget that when you're on stage, you're performing. You're not just you know playing your song. You're supposed to be performing. People want to see you perform, and I don't think they perform. They just it's boring. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the, the, the value and, and far be it from me to like kind of champion the cause of guitar poles and writer rounds because I'm um, I, I tend to agree with you. But the one thing they do provide is they give people insight and context into the songs. Well, that's great. But still, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you shouldn't. But when you're doing them, perform them. Don't just play them. And I think there's a difference. I think a lot of people, I see them play their songs. I, I've done it. I've played my songs. But then you can perform your songs. And there's the, and there's the, that's the difference. And that's what will get you a deal. And that's what will get you a, a following. You know? Yep. I don't know. That's my feeling. I think people have gotten lazy. Well, I think too, and Carl, you've talked about this before, but with the writer's rounds, you tend to see the same artists lumped together each and every single time. So I would almost have to agree that it's not necessarily lazy, but they've just gotten complacent. Like, oh, I'm playing with so-and-so and so again, like we were doing these songs again. So it's just almost like a rabbit, uh, not a rabbit wheel, but a hamster wheel that they're running on without necessarily seeing that there's other things they could be doing to like move their career forward. I guess the question is for any artist, why are you doing it? You know, well, why are they doing this? Like, why are you on that stage and singing those words? What's the point? Well, and I, it's the perfect time for artists to really like dig deep and answer that. Like Greg said, I mean, this is a a time of reflection and a time to figure out really where you want to take your career. And I mean, just even thinking about how you play and, and are you playing or, or are you performing is a great way to figure out like, well, what do you want to do now? If you're only playing and you're not performing, is your heart in it? If your heart is in it, what do you need to do to get you know yourself to perform better? If your heart's not in it, what do you want to do? I guess. Anyway, let's 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 play a one last tune from Hadley Park. I, I I think I love this song, "Things I've Learned." This is the one we uh, when we first launched our band Twango. This is the, was their single. They just come out with, I think, or, or we're going to come out with. Am I correct? You're correct. They came out with it. Um, I think early. No, late August, early September of 2016. Cool. At first it's gonna stink A different kind of pain 
Parks, um, things I've learned. Um, for those who don't know the backstory around this song, yeah, I love that story. Go ahead. Morgan's nephew Caleb at the time was going through his first round of cancer, I believe, and he had scribbled down some notes when he was in the hospital receiving chemo. And his mom kind of turned it over to Morgan and was like, "These are actually really good." And what they did was they took his notes about how he was feeling at the time. Oh, I didn't know and that. Turned it into things I've learned. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, and they actually made him a co-writer on the song. So any of um, the royalties that they get back, he gets a third of it, and all, all that money goes to help support the medical bills that they incurred. Cool. Yeah, and even after this song happened, um, what was cool? They launched it um, end of August, beginning of September. Um, September is Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, and they were able to get their uh, video on EllenTube, which was really big for them at the time. And unfortunately, Caleb ended up having a relapse, and his brother Noah ended up getting a very rare um, bone cancer. Um, and they both were battling cancer at the same time. Um, I believe it was maybe a year and a half ago at this point. Um, both of them have since come out, and they're both in remission, which um, is a huge, huge blessing. But um, it was one of those things, uh, things I've learned has really been a rock for them to be able to go back to and listen and know that they're all going to get through it. So it's just a really heartfelt song with a really awesome story, um, especially now that both of the, them are in remission and they're doing good. So Yeah, I, I like them. I, I, I like both of them. They have good hearts. I hope they continue to write because I think, you know, like pulling from these, from life's experiences and 
having the ability to craft a song, they probably have got some stunning songs in their future. They do. I'm excited. They, I think they have a new EP or at least a couple of new singles coming out in the next um, couple of months that really, I mean, those two girls together, I mean, they can write some powerful things. So I'm excited to kind of see where their new sound takes them because they've definitely evolved since retrospect and just be able to see the opportunities that are presented to them. Because like Carl said, they are hard workers and they were able to get their own sync opportunities with The Ranch and Netflix and they got themselves on CMT with their latest video. So um, these girls have what I like to call grit. They do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that about wraps it up, don't you? I think so. Did we mention that if you have become a fan of 9420 Podcast, you might have noticed that there's new theme music? Oh, we haven't. I think we glossed over that. Oh, right. So Carl and I got into an argument this afternoon. Uh, I was basically inquiring as to the license status of what we were using, and Um, It wasn't fully, completely vetted. Well, I think it was. I mean, I went back and looked, and I I think it was. But just to be on the same side. Being the nitpicking stickler that you are. (laughs) Well, kind of being the reason we started this podcast, too. Right, right, exactly. You're 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 the you're the guardian of the copyright. But the, but but the but the the wonderful thing for me in the way it turned out and the way we resolved it is. We got another track of yours in the podcast. We just took an we just took an intro for one of my songs, and uh, made that the intro to the, to the podcast. So I was thinking about that, and thank you for doing that. By the way, I was thinking about that. Have I made this story up, or did I convince you to put? that track on the record that was made. No, I think Dorothy was one of the ones I wanted to do. It um, was, okay. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I, I remember like when we, we did this record back, you know, with Scott, uh, you know, back when we did it. And um, yeah, I think I came down with about, probably about 15 or 18 songs. I remember you sent me demos and I'm like, and I had not previously heard that song. And I'm like, man, that song's cool. Right. Uh, we need to do that song. Maybe that's what I remember is just like, you know, kind of, kind of pushing for it to be on the album. And I don't think it was as fully formed as some of the others. Well, no, they, 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 all the songs at the time we, we did that were just were just solo acoustic live songs I did, right. you know? Right. They all got, the first time with a band was was then. And I remember one, one thing that Scott liked and the guy Chris McHugh, the drummer, and, and uh, Pat and everybody else on that track, they loved doing my record because it wasn't a country record. You know, it, it was like this kind of, alternative rock record in a way, you know, like, since, yeah, you know, like so kind of alternative songwriter record. Yeah. And the, and the, and the sounds, I mean, go back and listen to, I guess the first podcast we did, but we featured some of those tracks from that album. And, um, so in closing, uh, you get to hear it again, right? We get to hear the intro. Yes. So, do you want to hear the whole song? It's, uh, the song is called Dorothy. And it's off of the, my gray album. So and we'll have, check it out. We'll have that link in the show notes too, so that you guys are able to easily click and listen to it. Um, oh, cool. There you go. Yeah. So I, I think we've effectively cobbled our on-brand message for this, this podcast. It's music we love and the business we tolerate. <laughs> yes. 
Bye bye, everyone. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Make sure you guys go to the website 9420. That's the numbers 94 and the letters TWENTY.com for all of the show notes. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.